Welcome to the Ramp Church Podcast. We are so honoured that you've joined us today and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Ramp Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website, ramp.church forward slash mcr or find us on social media. Now let's head straight into this week's message. Um, we are in the middle of Advent, the Advent season with churches all around the world. So I'm going to speak into that a bit. But before I do, I want to share some really, some really fun news about um, something that happened at our last venue. Um, yeah. So who's who's been with us for this journey, this venue roller coaster, huh? Yeah. So you have kind of had to strap in at the beginning of this season because you never know which venue we're going to be in. But our last one may hold the record for shortest <laughs> time span at any one venue. Uh, so we were two weeks at Manchester Academy High School. That was delayed two weeks. So um, it was a bit of a roller coaster. But one of the things that you guys kept hearing from the Lord as we were just seeking the Lord on this journey is... To just summate it, the Lord is using all this. He's in all this. And what if we could be a people who don't prioritize our own comfort, but prioritize following the voice of the Lord? Do we believe that in that moment, all what could be an inconvenience for us could be a season of fruitfulness for God's kingdom? And if we believe that God's ultimate priority is to lead me into what's most comfortable for my life, we're going to misunderstand a whole lot of the things he asks us to do. Because although he is not indifferent to our comfort, he's not, it's not one of his primary priorities. So he created our sensibilities and our sensitivities to comfort. So it's, it's not that... It's not that he um, just wants to, to keep us uncomfortable for forever. He just knows that sometimes our comfort and our growth are mutually exclusive. And so to be a mature people, to be growing in our faith, means we follow the voice of our master even when comfort is the price that we have to pay. And sometimes that's hard in the West especially in our Western culture, because um, our whole economy, our whole consume, the whole consumer-based um, economy that we live in is based around convincing you that you need to spend all your money on serving your own comforts. And God just works by a different economic system. So I want to tell uh, just a couple stories about what God did through your faith and your willingness, Ramp Church, to go through an uncomfortable time. And the first, the first story I want to tell you is um, just real quickly about a young man called Prince, who I met last week. And the only reason why he came to Ramp Church is because um, we were at Manchester Academy High School. And it happened to be right across the street from where he lived, and he knew somebody who was a part of Ramp Church, but he'd never been. And he came the first week we were there, and when I met him the second week, it was in between the 4 p.m. service and our 6.30 p.m. service, and he came, um, one of our team brought him to me, and um, he was so excited to tell me that he had just given his life to Jesus. (laughs) 
So I got, I just was filled with this awareness, and I told him this. I was like, Prince, what if the whole reason we came to Manchester Academy High School was for you? And his eyes just opened up wide. And I said, Prince, can I just tell you we would do it all again just for you? Like you are worth it. But if you, if you were at our 4 p.m. service last week, you'll realize that we're a, there were a lot more people than just Prince who said yes to Jesus. And I just want to tell you just one other story. Um, one of our uh, dear sisters in the Lord went, to, went, went home to heaven earlier this year. She's called Ida. And she was an incredible, precious part of our faith family. Um, through some health complications, it was, it's been a very difficult year for our faith family in that regard. Um, but she lived a life that was honorable. She gave her life to Jesus, um, came, to ramp, uh, came to Ramp Church, um, and um, all along, she was, the only, she was the only Jesus follower in her family. She prayed diligently for her family. And then um, one of her close friends called Kamoni, who is now one of our community leaders, she wrote this to us last week. Can I just read you what Kamoni wrote us? Is that okay? Here's what she said. I just want to reinforce how personal God is and explain how he blessed us by using Manchester Academy High School for just two weeks. Because he doesn't need long, is what she wrote. When we originally got told that we were going to Manchester Academy, I was so nervous because that was the school that me and Ida went to. And the school she went on to teach at during her teaching career. But the Lord had a plan. Her sisters both came to both services back to back. And last Sunday, both of Ida's sisters accepted Jesus as Lord. In the school we attended growing up, what are the chances? Answering Ida's prayers even while she is not here with us. She was always praying for their salvation because they didn't grow up in faith. Her older sister said she didn't even want to walk down the stairs and put her hand up and put her hand down. But when she looked, she was already walking when James Kawaya asked. She said she felt like she was being pushed to go. I do believe God is very personal and so faithful. Even if everyone else was disrupted by the move, I can see that God put us there for just two weeks for reconciliation. And I'm so in awe and in wonder. Reconciliation to him, to each other, and for the family. Even though it still hurts, I'm so thankful the Lord has used his faithful and loving hand to uphold us in this season. I just felt like what James Kawaya was saying was so important because I knew God had brought us there for a reason and he has done what he intended to do. I'm so grateful for Ramp being obedient and allowing God to move in our lives. I felt like we had a full circle moment going back to the school where we met and I finally feel lighter. Also, a little icing on the cake. The first day we were there, you guys did pre-service prayer in my old form room. Sorry for such a long message, but I just hope it lets leaders see that even if they don't know why we are going back and forth to different locations, God does. Come on, would you give God praise? Come on. (laughs) 
the Bible was telling the truth when it said he uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And here's what I've learned about following Jesus. You don't have to be smart, but you, you sure look smart when you follow the King of Kings. Um, you just follow him every step of the way, and he does what only he can do. So you ready to get in the Word? Well, I hope you brought a Bible and a notepad. If you didn't, Scripture's going to be on the screen behind me. But we are in the second Sunday of Advent in the church calendar. Um, if you grew up in maybe a more traditional or, or a, a church or a church that followed the liturgical calendar, this is like the second week in the new year of the church, essentially. And generally, we would read from Isaiah 40 uh, on this Sunday, which talks about preparing the way for the Lord. And um, I'm not going to read it because we just sang it. And I just, I, I love that. Um, but that's ultimately talking about, so if you want to read that in Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5, but also John the Baptist, it's prophesying about John the Baptist because John the Baptist then refers to that in, in John chapter 1, verse number 23. John says that I am, I am the voice of one who is declaring prepare the way of the Lord. But Advent comes from a Latin word which means uh, arriving or arrival or coming. And it's a season in the church where we're anticipating Christmas Day, which is um, the birth of Jesus, of course, when God decides to join his life with the human story. And he's, he's not just a creator influencing the human story by speaking through prophets, by operating through priests, um, by receiving the sacrifices and the worship of his people, but he, so, he was so committed to the human story and to remedying uh, the human problem, the human condition, that God himself, who's wholly other and separate from the, from the thing he created, decided to eternally join himself with humanity. And he did that by, actually, by, by being born as a human while, while continuing to be God, thus forever joining himself with the human story. And then, not only that, he came in meekness, um, making himself vulnerable and in need, um, which needs could only be met through other humans. It's an astounding story. Not only is it a story where we're anticipating God coming, but, but Advent is a season of waiting. Say waiting. waiting. I hate waiting. Anybody, anybody else hate waiting? Traffic, queues, shipping, waiting. But this season is about waiting. And all through Scripture, we see this posture of waiting for God to come and make, make wrong things right. There's this belief in the writers of Scripture, in the prophets of old, that what's, what's gone wrong with the world can only be repaired by God's involvement. So there is this posture of waiting. And I just want to read one from Isaiah 29. I'm just going to read a few verses here, 17 through 23. And this is what Isaiah prophesied. You can sense the anticipation for God's involvement. This is what he says, verse 17. Isn't it true that in just a little while, Lebanon will become an orchard, and the orchard will seem like a forest? On that day, the deaf will hear, 
the words of a document. The eyes of the blind will see. The humble or the lowly, the marginalized is, 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 what, is what he's getting at. We'll have joy after joy in the Lord. And the poor people will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the ruthless one will vanish. The scorner will disappear. And all those who lie in wait with evil intent will be killed. In other words, those who are exploiting the poor and the vulnerable, they will be no more. Those who with their speech accuse a person of wrongdoing, who set, trap, who set a trap for the one mediating at the city gate without cause, deprive the righteous of justice. Therefore, the Lord who redeemed Abraham says this about the house of Jacob. Jacob will no longer be ashamed and his face will, will no longer be pale. For when he sees his children, the work of my hands within his nation, they will honor my name. They will honor the Holy One of Jacob and stand in awe of the God of Israel. Scripture, Old Testament scripture, is anticipating the day of God's coming. And it's, it's interesting because as New Testament believers, we now live um, in the new covenant. If you're new to faith, that is, that is after God has come, Jesus has come and given his life to make us right with him. He made a new covenant with humanity. And we live in this new covenant period and we still hold this posture of anticipation. Because it only takes about 10 seconds of watching, watching the news to realize not all wrong things have been made right yet. So God is now on a redemption story, and the story starts with you. The way he works now is he redeems the world one person at a time. And he's interested in redeeming the garden of your own heart. Just like Eden, he is, he's renewing the garden of your soul, and then like he did with Adam and Eve, he walks in that garden with you. That is his new paradise. You are the place that God dwells in. And through your life, he is exercising his righteousness and his justice. So we're in this posture of anticipation, this posture of waiting. But here's what I've learned about seasons of waiting. And you can just skip to this slide. Seasons of waiting aren't times of inactivity. They're prime moments for reflection. Say reflection. They're prime moments for looking back and seeing what, where have I been? What has the Lord been doing in my life? And I want to encourage you in this season of Advent to spend time in reflection. To spend time looking back. And why do we want to look back? Because there's something about remembering where I've been and what the Lord's done that changes me moving forward. I've heard a common phrase before. The, 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 the common phrase is we learn from experience, right? Have you heard that phrase? We learn from experience. But here's, here's a pastor, walking with people in pastoral ministry. Now, over 20 years, I've been in some sort of pastoral ministry. I've actually, I've actually seen that oftentimes people don't learn from experience. That's why many of us, years and years and years later, we have more experiences, but the way we see people is exactly the same. The way, the way we, we um, go about making decisions in our life, exactly the same. We spend money on exactly the same sorts of things. 
we have the same sort of habits and hang-ups at times, that it's actually our experience alone does not actually teach us. What I've learned about experience is this. It actually takes examined experience to teach us. It's not just experience alone. But it is a life of reflected experience. It is in seasons of waiting that we have a unique opportunity to look back and learn from our experiences. Why? So so we can go into the next season not the same way we went into the past season. But we can go into the next season learning the lessons that the Lord has for us. Um, 2 Corinthians Chapter 13, verse 5, Paul says this, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you yourselves not recognize that Jesus Christ is in you? It's kind of a rhetorical question. He's going, examine yourself, see if you're in the faith. Now, Jesus is in you. And then he goes, well, unless you fail the test, then maybe he isn't. But his whole point is saying, Jesus is in you. Examine your faith. You'll see that he's there. And that he's with you all along. We need to use seasons of waiting as examination seasons. As looking back. And as you leave the service uh, this evening, our stewards are going to have little handouts that have questions um, that you can even go through yourself to examine. Stacy and I, just we just went on a dinner this, this past week, and we, we talked through it ourselves. It was, it was really neat. So you can, you can do it by yourself. You can do it with, with a spouse or a partner or a friend. You can do it as a family. Um, but we want to leave you with even some questions on what are some good ways that we can even empower this season of examination. But I want to talk about three questions for your Advent reflection. So I hope you have a notepad. If you don't, just grab a pen and write on your, the, the bottom of your shirt or something. Anywhere. Your arm. Doesn't matter. So three questions for Advent reflection. And I think this is going to help you in this season of reflection. This is the first question you're going to ask yourself. What's my pattern? What's my pattern? And this comes from Romans 12, 2, which is one of my favorite verses. And Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good pleasing and perfect will and this is what you've got to understand about your life it's this next principle Um, your life has patterns there are patterns in your life Patterns of behavior, patterns of thinking, patterns of decision-making, relational patterns, spending patterns. Let's get real. (laughs) Communication patterns, devotional time with God patterns, productivity patterns, workplace habits. If we um, at Ramp Church stayed in a building more than two weeks at a time, (laughs) you'd probably have a seating pattern. It's just the place we sit. Well, do we have assigned seats? No. Well, why do you sit in the same place? Well, because I even have a seating pattern in my life. And those patterns need to be reflected on. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 says it this way. Paul dives into the patterns he refers to in Romans 12. Notice how some of the language parallels itself. Look at this. Paul says this. Take off... 
your former way of life. Take off your pattern, Paul is saying. The old self, then he describes the pattern. It's the old self that's corrupted by deceitful desires. What does he mean by deceitful desires? Desires that promise something, but they under-deliver. So your pattern is often created by deceitful desires. Then he says this, so you take off your old self, your former way of life, to do what? To be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness. So your new self is patterned not after a deceitful desire or the way the world does or your natural habits. Your new self is patterned around God himself. That's the new self. That's the new pattern. The one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. Verse 25, therefore putting, now he talks about, he's now going to contrast old patterns, new patterns. Old patterns, new patterns. Therefore putting away lying, speak the truth. Old pattern, new pattern. Each one to his neighbor because we're members of one another. Be angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun Go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he's to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need. So you see, old pattern, new pattern. So that it gives grace to those who hear and don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You, will seal, you were sealed by Him, by the Holy Spirit, for the day of redemption. In other words, the day when God makes all things new. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Isn't that beautiful? Some of you are like, that's not beautiful. That's the kind of thing I expect to hear in church. Tell me all the bad things I do and all the good things I should be doing. Don't worry, we're just in the middle of the message. There's some good news coming later. But you have an old pattern. It, it makes me think of a few years ago, um, we were traveling as a family back to America for Christmas. And we arrived in Philadelphia Airport, and after a really long flight, eight or nine hour flight, so we're pulling our, you know, pulling our bags, trudging through um, uh, the border check. And generally, when I'm going to America, I'm generally fairly confident because we're American citizens, so this, sh this should be easy. But that's always nerve-wracking when there's a person sitting behind a desk who looks like they want to just kick everybody out. <laughs> so we walk up, and um, you know, we put our, put our passports and our little like boarding card thing, and He's asking us questions, and I'm confidently, yes, you know, everything's okay. And then he says, do you have any fruit and veg? And I was like, no. And Stacy goes, yes. <laughs> and I was like, and he goes, you do. What do you have? She said, I have an orange. And he just moves on, continues asking other questions. Then he hands all our passports back, and on our little boring cards, he writes a big red A. So I was like, great, we got an A. Yes, this is good. This is perfect. So he hands us all these boarding cards. We, you know, we walk, dragging the kids, dragging ourselves, you know, carrying bags. And we're walking through um, past uh, the border control. And we come up to this sign that has a big red A on it. And it says, if you have an A on your boarding card, turn right here. I was like, okay, this must be the uh, extra credit line. 
So we turn right, go, go in, and we walk up to a, a large counter that looks like a security line. And when we walk up, I see literally a suitcase wide open, and the uh, border control agent is taking things out of the suitcase that are like large green leaves wrapped up. And the suitcase is just like overflowing with green leaves. And all of a sudden, I realize we're in the agriculture checking line. <laughs> So we, we walk up we walk up to the line and the person the person you know says can I see your boarding card we hand the boarding card and then then he says okay well what, what you know what what happened what is it and Stacy says well I brought an orange and she she starts to un, unzip the bag and he goes whoa stop <laughs> like okay well, it's an orange bro okay it's an orange. So he takes the bag, he takes it over to his little center, he, uh, like his little desk, he opens it up, he's like pulling things out, um, Yorkshire tea, because if you go to America, bring Yorkshire tea, guys, okay? You don't want that tea that slash dust that America calls tea. Um, a little bag of sugar, which, you know, can be questionable, some white powder at an airport, right? We don't want that. Um, so I'm already freaking out, looking at Stacy like, is this the bag you chose to pack for border control? And then with his gloved hand, he pulls out an orange, and he's acting like it's a nuclear reactor. You know, it's just like this kind of like, you know, places it off. Um, all in all, we make it through. Um, when we're leaving the agriculture, I turn around and I see him just literally pick up the orange and just drop it in the bin. I was like, this is, this is awesome. Um, but the Lord spoke to me through that whole thing, and I realized just as governments won't let you take fruit from one place to another, it's a bad idea in your spiritual life to bring fruit from a past season and pull it into your new season. Because fruit from an old season has within it the capacity to, to bring something bad into your current season. So God's not just interested in you finding a new pattern because, because he's a bully and, and he hates people's patterns. Everybody has to follow my pattern because I'm God and, well, I get to make the rules. He's not, that's not what he's about. He realizes if you take fruit from your old season and bring it into your new season, you're corrupting your new season. Because fruit is not just about something that tastes good. Fruit is a carrier of seed. So when you bring fruit from a previous season into your new season, you're not just bringing something that tastes good. You're bringing something that has the capacity to reproduce the pattern of your old season. This is the principle you have to realize. The fruit of your old patterns carries the seeds of your old life. So you could try to get away from your old life, but you're still carrying the fruit of your old pattern. And what you don't realize is you're continuing to sow the seeds of your old life in your new season. And you're going to eat from the fruit of your old season even though you theoretically have new life. Here's what you need to realize. You can have your old nature. Here's a few truths you need to realize. You can have your old nature with new patterns. This is the self-help movement. Some of us treat religion this way. 
So we treat the verses I just read as a type of morality code, that if I live better life, God's going to accept me and, and life's going to be well. That's, that's not the gospel, okay? You can also have, though, you can have a new nature and an old pattern. So God can have done something in your life that's transformative and eternal, but you're still living based on a pattern that's, that's, that's an old way. And if you continue reading in Ephesians 4 where we just read and then on to Ephesians 5, this is what Paul says, anyone who does these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So they have a new nature on the inside, but inheriting the, the governing force of God's reality on earth will not be something they experience. They will continue to live governed by their own nat- old nature. But here's the promise for you and I. We can be both a new person and have a new pattern. That's the beauty of God. This is where you realize God's kingdom power at work in you now while being part of God's eternal kingdom work. God's life is transforming you from the inside out. You think his thoughts. You sense his heart for those around you. Your life has room for him to speak, which aligns your internal world with God's reality. That's a new life on the inside and a new life pattern. So the first thing you're going to reflect on, Ramp Church, is what is my pattern? What's been my pattern in this season? Are there things that I've done in 2023 that I don't need to carry that through border control into 2024? Let's just check it, okay, and forget about it. All right, let's move into the new place that God has for us, leaving those patterns behind. Anybody up for that journey? Number two, the second question you're going to ask is, how's my posture? Say posture. Posture. This is looking at how my life is oriented. A few years ago, um, I started having just extreme shoulder pain. And it was keeping me up at night and um, just causing a lot of discomfort. And so I went to the physio and, you know, through, through the whole physio thing, we're talking about where might this have come from? So we start talking about my lifestyle. And most likely they could trace it back to um, me lifting weights, doing stuff in the gym. I know it's not very obvious that I do at times lift weights. Um, that has happened a couple times in my life. So, um, you, you know when you go into a gym and like, um, I feel like a fish out of a water in the gym, but some people look like they were born in there and they've lived their whole life in there. <laughs> So I'm lifting weight that is supposed to be strengthening me and I'm hurting myself and other people are lifting four times more weight and they're strengthening themselves. And here's what I realized um, about weight. It's this principle. How you hold weight can be the difference between pain or progress. That when you go through seasons of pressure... Sometimes we blame the weight for our pain. When what the physio was telling me is actually not the weight, it was your posture underneath the weight. That if you had a better posture, the weight would not have caused you pain. It would actually have led you to your progress. So when you're in a season of reflection, you need to ask yourself, how's my posture? And if if this is true, if the way I hold weight is the difference between whether something causes me pain or progress, what is the posture I need to hold? I'm glad you asked. 
So I want to take you to John chapter 13, because in John chapter 13, we see Jesus, who is about to step into the greatest weight he has ever carried. And he was so, listen to this, this is Jesus, the Son of God. He was so nervous about this weight and how heavy it would be that he asked his father, is there any other way for you to do what you want to do through my life besides me carrying this weight? That's how heavy this weight was. And God, of course, said, no, this is the only way. So Jesus... Read in, in John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Beautiful chapters. Jesus is with his closest, his inner circle. And these are his final few days and hours before he's about to carry the greatest weight that he even asked the Lord for him not to carry. Now, if I was in Jesus' shoes, I'd have been like, okay, guys, <clears throat> tell me how awesome I am. Just say it. You can do this. You can do this. Okay, good. <sighs> You're the most awesome man I've ever seen. You're the most awesome man I've ever seen. Okay, this is getting good. Okay, one of you, grab my shoulders. Another, okay, massage my feet. Like, we're doing this, right? I mean, it's like a hype session, right? Not for Jesus. Here's what Jesus did. Look at this. John chapter 13, verses 1, 4, and 5. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So Jesus got up from supper laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. And this is what this story makes me realize. The best way to hold weight in times of pressure is to serve. The, the wild thing about pressure, when we're in seasons of increased weight... Most of the time, we get consumed with our own survival. Most of the time, we get obsessed with our own needs. When we see a weight coming, when we're in seasons of pressure, we feel like the way to solve my pressure is for me to get very in tune with my pressure and then figure out a solution to my pressure. Does that make sense? But Jesus, in his greatest moment where he saw pressure coming, took the focus off of his pressure and put the focus on other people's needs. And there's something about serving others that shifts the weight of my pressure. Here's what I've learned. A selfish, selfish, posh, not shellfish, a selfish posture leads to panic, but a serving posture leads to peace. A selfish posture leads to panic, but a serving posture leads to peace. And I can prove it to you through other verses. Look at this, Isaiah 58, verses 10 and 11. If you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your need in what? A sun-scorched land. And He will strengthen your frame posture. Look at this, Proverbs eleven twenty five. You know this verse. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. 
the posture that carries the weight of increased pressure is the posture of serving. It's the posture of grabbing a towel and serving those around you. So the first question you, you need to ask in your season of waiting, your season where you're reflecting, the season of Advent where we're looking ahead to 2024 is what's been my pattern. The second one is how's your posture? And here's the third one. What's my position? What's my position? I want to read a verse to you, and this is where we're going to close. Band, you can go ahead and come on up. Second Corinthians chapter number 5, verses 17 through 19. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in, say in, you're wondering where your position is. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in, say in, in Christ... God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. So this is, this is good news for two, two groups of people. The first group of people is if you have never, ever walked in reconciliation with God, this is good news for you. That the most important thing you can do in 2020, 2024... Here, here in our Advent season, looking back at 2023, is ask, where's my position? Am I in Christ? Am I trusting in Christ for my future? For my hope? For my purpose? For my personal satisfaction? Am I trusting in my own abilities to find success? in my own definition of what it means to be prominent or impressive? Am I hoping in my own abilities to network and create the future that I desire? Or are all of my hopes wrapped up in that phrase, are all of them in Christ? This is something I want to let you know. Until you get to that point... God is like a conductor of an orchestra. Everything in your life is about that decision. Everything. If you've yet to find yourself in Christ, today is the day. This Advent is your season. You can get all of the other questions right. Your posture... We can come up with a whole another list of P's. Your purpose, your partner. I mean, let's, you get all those right, but if you get your position wrong, it all means nothing. But when you find yourself in Him, you have found so much more than just an eternal place. You have found a platform to feel the work of God moving through your life. If you want to do that, if you want to say yes to Jesus today, it just takes a moment, a shifting of trust, a believing that Jesus 
is who he said he was and that he laid his life down to bring you near to the Father. If you want to do that, today is the day. Can we just make that decision right now in this moment? I just want to ask every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room and you want to say yes to Jesus, if you want to be reconciled to the Father, if you want to find wholeness inside of yourself, the, the, the fragmented, fractured world of your soul can find renewal, can find wholeness in devotion to God. If you want to find the platform for reconciliation with one another, you, cannot, you can't reconcile relationships with one another until you reconcile relationship with your Creator. That's, where it's all, that's the foundation of it all. If you want to do that by saying, by saying yes to Jesus today, you want to turn your back on your own way. I'm, I'm done, Lord, with ruling my life. And I put my life in your hands. Would you just lift, hand, lift your hand up? I just want to see hands all around. Yep, I see that. Yes, two, three, four hands, five hands, six hands. Yes, anybody else? Come on, seven hands. Come on, anybody else? Just keep those hands up. Keep those hands up. Eight hands. Come on, anybody else? Nine hands, come on. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes, ten hands. I see them. Come on, anybody else? Anybody else want to say eleven hands? Come on. Anybody else want to say yes to Jesus today? Come on, anybody else want to say yes to Jesus? Anybody else want to say yes to Jesus? I, just, I want every person, 12 hands, I see that. I want every person to pray, 13 hands. Come on, I just want every person to pray with me right now. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus that gave his life for me so that I could say yes to God and no to ruling my own life. I turn my back on my sins and I turn towards you. Take my life, my future, and my hopes and, and hide them in you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Would you just put your hands together and celebrate the work of restoration and wholeness that God is doing in this place but all around this city and this nation. If you said yes to Jesus today, I want you to find our prayer teams afterward. They're going to walk you through some of their next, your next steps. But you're not the only people I want to speak to this evening. I want to speak to those of you who have been serving Jesus maybe for a long time, maybe, maybe just a few weeks. But sometimes we think that our position is a one-time thing. And I want to tell you, as you reflect on 2023, it's time to bring new areas that have never come into to an in-Christ position into an in-Christ position. I was speaking to one of our leaders this over the weekend. They were telling a story about how recently that the Lord, over the past few months, the Lord has been, has been telling them, I want to give you joy. I want to give you a fresh deposit of joy in this season. And if we've, if we've ever been in a season where we could use some joy, this is one of those seasons. And this is what the person said. They said, I, I wasn't able to receive the joy because I didn't feel like I deserved it. Anybody ever felt that way? That God wants to give you something, but you don't feel like you've earned the thing that God wants to give you. The problem with that thinking is that is not gospel-centered thinking. Because what, what we have rights to hold in the kingdom is not what we've earned, but what Jesus earned. 
So when you look forward to 2024, what would happen if when you turn your back on all the things that have not been positioned in Christ, you start to receive all that God has for you because it's what Jesus has paid for. Stand on your feet all around this room. Anybody want to walk into a new season? Come on, anybody want to walk into a new season? Where, the, where as you're reflecting on where you've been, you're able to turn your face toward all that God has for you. We're going to sing together. And as we're singing, as we close this service, I believe you're going to find something new in the Father. Some of you have been serving, serving God for decades. You have been accepting things that Christ has already paid for. You've been accepting less than God's power at work in your life. Some of them because it's things you've enjoyed. But it's time to stop that pattern. Because you want to sow seeds of the kingdom. But some of you, you're, you're accepting things because you think that's what you deserve. But what we deserve in the kingdom is what we inherit because of our relationship through, through Jesus Christ the Son. So I just want us even now, just begin to lift your voices Lift your hands around this room. And Father, we want all that you have for us. We want to find ourselves in Christ. We want to say yes to the position that we have through Christ. It's nothing we've earned. It's nothing that we've, Father, that we deserved. Father, we just continue to boast in our weaknesses because everything we have is because of what Jesus paid for. We say yes to you, Jesus. We say yes to you. We look forward to where you're taking us.